Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Andrew Gillis. It's Tuesday, which means it's time to talk recruiting. And really, it's time to talk five star recruiting because that's what always matters most here is what are the five stars doing? Andrew, before going to cover Ohio State's 24. The 10 win over Wisconsin on Saturday. You and Nathan were in Chicago. You guys had a eventful weekend of traveling. You guys were in Chicago to go see a five-star recruit in the Ohio State's 2024 class. Justin Scott, number 12 player, number three defensive lineman. Just, uh, first of all, how much did he actually play? And did you get any level of idea of what type of player he is based on the number of snaps he actually played on Friday night? No. Um, we did not. Um, it was very hard because, uh, if you are a dedicated listener to this Tuesday show, you know, that when I went out to see Carter Lowe, uh, I got stuck in the pouring rain and he got pulled after five drives when it was 35, nothing. Uh, well, Nathan and I got stuck in the pouring rain when it was 24 to nothing in this game. Uh, and as it turned out, actually, we didn't find this out until after the game. Oh, well, I, you know, I mean, you, you, you make some friends on the sideline and you kind of ask what's going on. Uh, Justin hurt his knee in the week before, uh, I believe they played like, I think it was Joliet Catholic, I believe was their last regular season game. And he said he hurt his knee in that last regular season game. He only got cleared later in the week to play. And so it was really hard to kind of get a, you know, to get an idea of, okay, how much is, is this Justin Scott, right? Like how much is this, what Justin Scott looks like at full speed, um, you know what? What, what are we look? What are we really looking at here? Because uh, when it got to twenty-four nothing, he put on one of those like oversized raincoats and threw the hoodie, uh, threw the hood up over his head, and and he was out the rest of the game. And um, you know, one of the guys on the sideline that I was talking to said, if it comes to it, if there's an emergency, they'll put him in. But they just wanted to get him off of his feet a little bit and not kind of not kind of rush it because it was their first round playoff game. They did win by multiple touchdowns, like 
forget the final score, but it was a lot to a little. Um, that was pretty much the gist of it. So you didn't really get a good sense of what he is. You certainly saw the size, right? You know, you certainly saw, I mean, when you're, you know, that big six four three oh eight or three twelve or whatever his coach told me, something in that range. Um, you know, when when you're sitting at that size, this is a you know, this is a kid who you can tell, like there were a couple pass rushes he had where he just kind of boxed out and he, you know, he, he, what he really did was he just extended and it was really impressive to see. And I'm curious to see how that translates to the college level. Cause some of these linemen from Juliet West that we saw were just not physically there in terms of what Justin Scott was, but the little football that we did see, you know, it's really hard to get in on him because he's got really long arms. And when he pushes out, right, like when he extends and he puts his hands on you and, you know, just straight up locks out and locks his arms out, it's hard to get a it's hard to get a going on him. And, and he is really strong, does have a strong upper body. So, you know, couldn't really tell a ton. Um, you know, they did move him around a little bit when he was in the game. He played one tech you know, over the center, he played three tech over the guard. He played five tech. He, he, they had him standing up on a few snaps as, as a rush defensive end. And he just had, his, was in a two point stance and, um, they, they moved him around a little bit, but, um, yeah, you know, we, we talked to him afterwards, which was good, but on the field, you could only see a few glimpses really, because there wasn't a ton there with, uh, you know, just kind of what his athletic ability was because you didn't know how much was limited. And then frankly, he only played like four series of the game. So is he clearly an interior defensive lineman? Oh yeah. Um, you know, we I, one of our texters texted a couple of weeks ago and said, "How come Ohio State? I think we talked about it on this show. How come Ohio State doesn't recruit more to a thirty-four, or are they recruiting more of a thirty-four body type?" Uh, I don't think so. Justin Scott, I think he could play the one, but he has more pass rush ability than you want somebody to two gap it. So he's a three tech, and that's where Ohio State sees him playing. Um, you know, Ohio State kind of sees him as, you know, maybe not this guy who's going to play up the middle and just be the run clogging, run stuffing, not going to make a ton of tackles, but vital to the defense kind of person. Like we all kind of have that idea in our head. That's not him. You know, they kind of see him as this three tech who is going to rush the passer, who's going to be able to stop the run, but it's a little bit more athletic than you would get from an interior guy. So, or than, than a true nose, I should say. But I didn't see anything, especially because he's already up over 300 pounds. Like he would have to either lose some serious weight to get down to defensive end. And that's not a knock on him. It's just, I think he'd be a better interior player. And, you know, he's already got the size to be that interior player. So yeah, I think, um, I think playing on the interior is, is certainly what he's going to be, uh, be asked to do in college. And that's what they're planning on right now. Is there a guy whose game maybe reminds you of, Ooh, um, reminds me of, that's a good, I, you know, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head because, you know, right off, right off the bat, you know, we, we could only see a little bit. Um, I'm struggling to think of a name here. It, nothing really off the top of my head, like, a, like a one for one comparison. This is who this guy reminds me of. I saw him play and went, bam, that's exactly who this is. Um, you know, but I do think just kind of in a body type kind of way, like in a personal type of way, you know, you see a guy who I think can be a really effective pass rusher at the three tech. I think that that was something that really stood out to me with kind of how long his arms are. And you could see the upper body strength and, and the ability to shed. I know, you know, I mentioned that he was kind of fighting a bum knee, but 
I think, um, which by the way, not long-term. I don't know if I said that already. I know some Buckeye fans might be worried. Not long-term. It was a very, you know, kind of minor thing it seemed like. But, um, you know, it, really good pass rush ability, really good ability to shed blocks and, uh, you know, really strong ability to, you know, just to, to get. So I guess when you look at him and you look at, uh, is he closer to what my call is or is he closer to what Tyleek Williams? When you And I know that's not, that's not a one for one comparison, but those are two guys who have been more or less a very successful interior defensive lineman for Ohio state this year to different degrees and at different times in the season and in their careers. But does he have a style that mimics either one of those guys? You know, I I don't know if, I don't know if I would say that even for either of them because Mike Hall's not that tall, right? Like Justin, like Justin Scott is a, like a, like when you, when you talk about defensive linemen, there's not a ton of interior guys that are like six foot four and above. Like some of these guys are six, two, six, three, because obviously uh, again, when you talk about the offensive line and you talk about line play, you know, in a lot of ways being shorter to an extent is a benefit. Um, you know, Mike Hall, he's six two, two eighty. Tyleek Williams, I think he's like six two, three hundred, six two, two ninety, something like that. So, you know, Justin's a bigger guy than that. Like he, you know, so basically, you know, I I don't want to say body type. He's comparison. He's a comparison for either of them because what you're doing is you're saying, all right, add t- add two inches and add twenty pounds or add thirty pounds. And I don't know if that's the way that I would do that. I do think he's got a pass rush ability, maybe a little bit like a Mike Hall. Like I think a lot of people talk about Mike Hall's pass rush ability from on the interior. And I think that that would, that would be what would excite me the most about Justin Scott was that, you know, when you talk about him and and what he can do, I mean, he's just such a big body in the middle that you can defend the run. But, you know, we talked to his coach after the game. And one of the things that he said was, you know, there's not many guys his size that can move this way and that can move this big. And he said, this is what I mean, this is why all the colleges are talking to him. So, you know, you like in terms of play style, I think he's got a similar pass rush maybe to Mike Hall, but he's also two inches taller and 20, 30 pounds heavier than what Ohio State has right now. Now, I said this to one of the guys on the sideline when we were talking, 310 in your senior year of high school is not 310 in your sophomore year of college, right? Like 310 is different after you get through a season of strength and conditioning and after you get through a, you know, all right, we're going to, we're going to eat, we're going to teach you to eat right. And we're going to teach you how to do all these things. And not to say that you're not doing it now, but a lot of these kids just, it's a different level to get when you, when you have to start eating like a division one defensive tackle and you have to start working out like a division one defensive tackle. And, um, you know, so I think he'll carry that weight a little bit differently when you get to college. I think you could say that about every single offensive lineman and defensive lineman. So I don't know. I, 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 I hesitate to make the comparison. I think the pass rush ability, though, is what I would stand out. So that's where I would compare him to Mike Hall because when you're that big, you can defend the run. But the pass rush, I think, is really what gives him this five-star upside. So just background on Justin Scott here. Like I said, the number 12 player, number 13 defensive lineman in the country, five-star recruit out of Chicago. When this guy committed over the summer, it was kind of a shock. Quite frankly, about it, he was in an official visit group. I think not eight other people, and of the people on that list, 
it was him, Aaron Scott, number 38 player. Aaron Scott, Ohio in-state cornerback. Bryce West, in-state cornerback. Kingston, Vialamu, Asa, Peyton Pierce, and Miles Lockhart, and Demarion Witten. And of those nine, excuse me, seven, of those seven, you thought, okay, they're going to get six out of those seven. We were in the, we were right. We were just wrong about who the number six would be. We thought it would be Kingston, and instead he ends up at Notre Dame, and Justin Scott ends up at Ohio State. It, did that come up at all? Why did Ohio State win this battle for Justin Scott in his words? You know, he he talked as broadly as he could about that. You know, one of the, you know he he mentioned the relationships that he had with some of the coaches. Um, you know, he said he looked at the twenty four class, and you know he was really high on the twenty four class. I actually texted this out today. Um, to our subscribers, you know, what, what he said about the 24 class, he was, he was really high on them. You know, he talked about them having dudes everywhere. Um, you know, he really liked the relationship that he had built with, um, with some of the defensive line coat, with some of the defensive line guys in the class with Larry Johnson, with Jim Knowles. Like this was a, this was a relationship thing that he was telling me. And, you know, it, it didn't seem too unique. Right. And I think, you know, sometimes when you're talking to a guy for five, six minutes after a game, and it's 30 degrees, he wants to get out of there, it's not going to give you the whole life story. But, uh, you know, from what you could glean and kind of read between the lines, it was a very, I should say, relationship-based decision, and he felt comfortable with it. And I think that that was why, you know, that was why you got that surprise commitment. Because, yeah, I mean, I, look, I wasn't on the beat yet, and I remember I was sitting on uh, sitting on my couch watching TV, and I saw Justin Scott commit to Ohio State, and the only thing that I knew about that was I thought he was going to Michigan. Like I thought this was a Michigan battle. And I think it is important to note that, um, you know, when you talk about him committing, like this was, and I forget if we've talked about this on the podcast, but his commitment for months, for months before this, it was okay. Well, he set a commitment date in January and he's going to commit to Notre Dame. He's that's where he's going. He's going to be, he's going to Notre Dame, the local school, blah, blah, blah. Then he backs off of it, and then he visits Miami, and then it's, oh, well, Miami's in the lead. And then he visits Georgia, and oh, Miami's in the lead. And then he visits all these other places, and it never really felt like Ohio State was pulling ahead, and then he commits to Ohio State. Like, it never felt like you heard a ton of Ohio State chatter with him, and now all of a sudden, it's Ohio State. And and I think it is notable. It, it you know, it seemed like a firm commitment. It wasn't anything that, you know, you kind of talk to. And some of these guys you talk to, and you kind of hear, Oh, well, you know, we'll see what happens on sign. Like, didn't get any of that vibe. And, um, you know, this seems like something he's stuck with. And, you know, kind of the relationships have carried him this far. So I think that's what he's going to stick with. So you're saying fans should not be worried that he's going to end up flipping somewhere else on signing day? Well, I wouldn't tell fans to never be not worried about something. I know it was a crazy double negative, but like I wouldn't, I wouldn't always be calm about stuff, right? Especially in this day and era, um, in this day and age, I I would look to every verbal commitment with some semblance of skepticism. Um, maybe that's just me being a cynic, um, but you never know what could happen before signing day. Um, recruiting is truly kind of in a crazy era right now. But there was nothing that he said that got my antenna up. And, you know, Nathan was right there and I would, I'm sure he would say the same thing. There was nothing that he said that kind of made us go, huh? Uh-oh. Like everything seemed fairly solid. He was talking about relationships. You know, he said he would be um, in Columbus, uh, you know, in the summer. He uh, is not going to early enroll. He's going to okay. be over there over the summer. But 
yeah, you know, it nothing nothing out of the ordinary that would raise red flags. So the non-early enrollment part probably takes him out of the conversation to be a contributor in year one. So, so this is the part that I wanted to talk about the most, I think. So it is important to note that when you talk about a five-star player, right? When you talk about a five-star kid, what is the point of a five-star player and a five-star kid? Okay, they're projecting, right, like these different recruiting sites, that this is going to be a first-round pick down the line. Or they think he has mm-hmm. that first-round pick talent, right? Like that is that is the whole concept of a five-star. And Justin Scott absolutely has that. Because when you're that big and you're that physical and you can move like he can uh, when you have two healthy knees – that that looks good and that is what makes him so attractive and that is what makes him you know this potential force in Ohio State cuz like imagine adding like a fully formed Justin Scott like to this defensive line right now cuz Ohio State does well recruiting on defensive line you know Justin mentioned that one of the guys that he really wanted to get into the class was Edric Houston you know I asked him like how much recruiting he has done for Ohio State and he said, man, the guy I was really after was Edric Houston. So I was like, all right, well, you did a good job on that one. So Ohio State got their other five-star <laughs> defensive end with Edric Houston. Um, so if you can like imagine that level of of you know fully formed Justin Scott up the middle, that's kind of the the peak, right? And that is what makes him so attractive as a recruit and eventually as an NFL player. However, I think that this is more of a long play than people might think. And I want to stress this to Buckeye Talk listeners now. You know, you're going to be listening to this on Halloween 2023. This, like, if he's not playing in 24 or not even, you know, you're not hearing about him a ton in spring practice 25, it's okay. Don't start to freak out and say, this guy's a butt. Breathe. It's okay. So I talked to his coach after the game. And I'm not saying this can't happen, by the way. I'm just saying that this feels like a little bit of a longer play because, again, you know, there were a couple different things his coach said, which made me think, like, this kid's really good and this kid is going to be really good, just maybe not in 2024 or, you know, as like a full time, he's going to be all Big Ten in 2025. Like, I don't think he's going to come in and immediately look like a first round pick. And that's because he only started playing football in high school. You know, his coach told us a story of, you know, he would play on the defensive line. You have this big guy on the defensive line. He'd do his job, and then the ball would go to the outside, and then he would just stand there and watch because he didn't really kind of understand how to chase down the play, and he didn't understand angles and everything like that. And his coach didn't do that to speak negatively of him. He was just saying, like, look, that's where he was, and this is where he is now, and that's a really big deal. So he's only been playing for a couple of years. Justin mentioned to me that technique is the number one thing that he's after. And we know that Larry Johnson's a stickler for technique. So when you're building technique and when you're doing things technique wise, that takes time, right? I mean, some of these kids that Ohio State is recruiting have been playing football since they were five years old. Like that, like that is something that is really unique. Justin Scott only started playing football, tackle football in high school. So you've got to keep that in mind that he is still really raw here. Like this is not, he is not coming in Jeremiah Smith and 
oh my goodness, this guy might play immediately because he's a freak. And this dude can just immediately step in and ball out. One, because of the position. And two, just because of who they are. Like, it's really hard to play on the offensive and defensive lines as a freshman in college because of the physical requirements, because of the technique, because of everything that matters. And again, I mentioned the technique thing that Justin Scott has kind of got to build out. And that's going to be something that continues to grow. You know, his coach was telling me that he hasn't really had a full year in the weight room because he also plays basketball. So he's not physically what he is going to be yet, right? Like this isn't a guy who eats, sleeps, trains football. And there's nothing wrong with that. I would actually encourage every high school athlete to play multiple sports because it builds different skills and it builds different things in different ways. I know like if you're a basketball player, high school football or college football coaches will go out and recruit you watching basketball because they want to see how you react in different situations. So he's a basketball player. There's nothing wrong with that. But it also means that there's a lot of cardio going on in the winter and there's not a lot of like weightlifting and there's not a lot of crazy intense you know, power lifting type stuff from him. That's just building a ton of strength. So, you know, his coach was like, I just really can't wait to see what happened. Matt Miller at St. Ignatius. He was like, I, can't, I really can't wait to see what happens when he gets a full year of, of a college strength and conditioning program under his belt. Like, you know, he was really excited about the future for him. I think it just might take a little bit. And I think I'm not saying you got to wait till year five. I'm not saying this is a Josh Proctor situation. I'm not saying this is going to be something crazy where it's going to take a little bit, but you know, I think people do get an- anxious when it comes to five-star recruits. People do get worried when it comes to five-star recruits. And if all of a sudden you see a, re- a report, you know, in the spring that, you know, they're not working in with the ones of the twos or they're not blowing up a play or doing something crazy on offense. Like I think people start to get a little worried naturally. And I understand that inclination. They're a five-star player. They're one of the best high school players in the country. You should expect them to be some talent, some level of talent. But I do think Justin Scott is going to take a year or two to become this fully functioning, what we expect Justin Scott to become. And when he does become that, that's going to be really, really impressive for Ohio State. So I hope that I hope that rant kind of I hope I hope people don't get worried when they hear that rant. I think he's going to be good, just maybe not in 2024 or, you know, even a full time guy in 2025. So I can't pop an attitude if he doesn't turn into Jalen Carter in year two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah, okay. like I think people just kind of think that he's he's going to show up, and I, I I think that there is this kind of ex- expectation with everybody. You know, maybe Sands quarterback, like, oh, well, it's a five star kid. You know, he sh- we got to see the five star kid, and even we, we've talked about this before. A lot of people a couple of years ago wanted to see the five star kid, and a lot of people everybody talks about, oh, we got to see the five star kid. Want to see what he can do. Want to see what the talented kid can do. But sometimes it just takes a little bit, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you just got to wait, and I think you're going to have to wait just a little bit with Justin Scott. I think I'm going to be upset if he doesn't turn into Jalen Carter in year two. You mean if he doesn't have you mean if he doesn't have eight sacks and he's John Randall in the middle of Ohio State's defense in year one? You're going to yeah. be. Yeah, we're gonna be back on yeah. here. You're gonna yell at me. That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's gonna happen. <laughs> okay. Well, there's there's some stuff on Justin Scott. Look for that story on Cleveland.com/slash/osu. Get the text six one four three five zero three three one five. Andrew sends out a lot of that stuff on Fridays, and he sends stuff out during the week too. Whenever recruiting news is happening, six one four three five zero three three one five. Two week free trial, three ninety nine for that. After when we come back from the break, we'll break down the defensive tackle spot where Justin Scott is projected to play, and we'll we'll look at the future of Larry Johnson's defensive tackle too deep and see 
you know, should we be you know, pessimistic or optimistic about the future of Ohio State defensive linemen when we come back here on Buckeye Talk? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And we're back on Buckeye Talks. Even means Andrew Gillis. We're talking recruiting, which means we're talking future. We're not really talking about what's going on right now in the present. We're always talking, looking towards the future. Andrew, here's what the room potentially could look like in 2024 with Justin Scott and Eric Mensa as the two interior commitments in this class. Justin Scott, as we mentioned, the number 12 player. Number three, I believe, number three defensive lineman in the class, and then Eric Mensa, a lower-level four-star recruit. So they're the two freshmen. They're the first-year guys next year coming in. Justin Scott, as you already mentioned, is an early enrolling. I don't know if Eric is or not. Um, do you know that off the top of your head if Eric is or not? Eric is an early enrollee. Early enrollee. I don't know. Yeah, um, okay. I have not me on that yet. Okay, so we don't know that. Your two guys, Jason Moore, who at least looks the part, a top 100 recruit in the 2023 class, looks the part. Caden McDonald, the 2023 kid, who was already starting to force his way onto the field a little bit over these last couple of weeks here, playing about four or five snaps a game, which is a big deal. Will Smith, the Ohio State legacy, his his dad of the same name was All-American for Ohio State in the early 2000s, was a part of that 2002 National Championship team. He's been out for most of this year, I believe, on the availability report dealing with an injury. But that's a, you know, that's a longer development type of guy there, a three-star, four-star level recruit. You've got Hero Canoe, who was part of the 2022 group, who is working his way into the lineup as well. I would expect made a really nice play. Yeah. Made a really nice play against Wisconsin. Yeah. He's got a sack already this year. That's a guy who's progressing in the right direction. And quite frankly, should be pushing for more playing time a year from now. And then you've got these three 
current third-year guys who will be four-year guys, depending on what they decide to do. Tyleek Williams might be gone after this year, the way he's been playing. He might be an NFL draft pick, but we'll leave him on here for now. Mike Hall Jr. could be gone with the way he's flashed at times in his careers, but he also could come back for year four, so we'll leave him on here for now. Taiwan Malone, who we thought maybe would have more of a role in his first year after spending his first two years at Ole Miss. Not much of a role, so you'd expect him to maybe get more in 2024. He'll definitely be back. And then Ty Hamilton, I think, is an interesting one as a guy who would be going into his fifth year here. But he's always been on the Davon Hamilton plan, which is his brother, who is now currently a NFL draft pick for the Jaguars, who I think just got paid this summer a little decent penny. But he's like a year ahead of where Davon was at this point. So that's another one. So Ty Hamilton, Mike Hall Jr., and Tyleek Williams all guys with legitimate NFL decisions to make after the season. But behind those guys, Ty Juan Malone, Hero Canoe, Caden McDonald, Jason Moore, Will Smith, Justin Scott, Eric Mensa, Andrew, what do we think of that group in terms of both depth, but then also upside of what Ohio State's defensive tackle group could look like next year if their top three all decide to leave? Well, if their top three all decide to leave, you're going to need some dudes to step up that maybe you haven't seen. Um, you know, I mean, if you're talking Hall, Hamilton, and Williams, like if all three of those guys go, um, that that would be – or wait, well, what, did you mean Hall, Ham, Hall, Hamilton, and Williams? Those are the three you're talking about, right? If those guys Correct. decide to go. If, if those guys decide to go, you're going to need players to step up. The defensive line is going to be interesting next year if that happens because – I understand we're talking about the interior, but Jack Sawyer and JT Tumaloao are also draft eligible. And those guys, I mean, JT, I would bet is, I mean, I would bet JT's gone. Like JT's probably a first round draft pick, so he's out the door. Yeah. I'm not sure about Jack Sawyer. Jack, yeah. But I, I think guess he my, might benefit from a fourth year. I think, and I've said this before to somebody, I don't know if it was you or not, but. Aiden Hutchinson was not the number two pick in the NFL draft coming when he was done with his junior year. Yep. In fact, I don't think he was a first-round draft pick after that 2020 season. Now, he got hurt that year, so that hurts it as well, but I don't think he was on that trajectory. But he came back in year four, and something clicked. And all of a sudden, he's a Heisman Trophy finalist. He's beating Ohio State. He's getting on the playoff stage, and now he's the number two pick in the NFL draft. And he's in year two with the Detroit Lions and looks pretty awesome so yeah, far you, and I, I am wondering if i'm not saying jack Sawyer is going to do all that just because he decided to come back for year four but there is a blueprint for a guy who may have needed an extra year for it to really start to kick in especially since he spent his second year trying to learn two positions i'm not totally sure he's out the door the way that jt tween Malowau is yeah you you mentioned that to me actually i think it was at the purdue game um we were on the sideline and you just, we were watching them warm up. And that was when you said that to me. Um, so the defensive line is an interesting spot because like, I understand you would probably bet the odds are likely that you'll get at least one of two of Malowau and Sawyer back, but there's a possibility that you're replacing both of your ends. And then maybe like three interior defensive linemen, like there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to have to step up. So I'm not sure what that says about the ceiling of the unit. Um, I think you've, you've liked what you've seen from canoe. You've liked what you've seen in spurts, I guess, or you like the upside, I guess, of Malone, maybe long-term, like in terms of next year. I mean, long-term, I don't mean long-term as in a freshman, but 
I really liked Jason Moore when the in the practices that we saw because he's one of those guys who is a bigger dude. Like he, I think, is a unique, interesting. He's a unique and interesting case because up the middle, you know, when he was in high school, he was like six five, two fifty, two sixty, and now he's upwards of like two eighty, two ninety. Like this is a bigger kid that really put on some weight when he got to Ohio State. So I'm curious to see what Jason Moore looks like in year two, because like you said, he looked the part. I thought I actually like it just you see him walking off the field and you're like, wow, like this kid, this kid looks like a future first round pick. But he also kind of looked the part in spurts when you saw it in training camp. You know what? Like when we were at fall camp and we're, you know, we're watching a couple different drills. I remember watching the defensive lineman. I was like, that guy's really fast for his size. And that guy's he's got a really good first punch. So I like Jason Moore. And I, and I think next year, um, you know, depending on how the spring shakes out, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have some listeners that, that drive the bus for him. I mean, he's a guy who I think could make an impact next year. Um, but in terms of depth, I think you like the defensive line. Um, you know, you mentioned McDonald and Smith, too. Um, but you add more, it, it, it just depends on what you have coming back. Like who, like who decides to come back when they have a chance to leave. Cause again, like I said, you like what you've seen from canoe. Um, you think Hamilton, can, like you think Hamilton can get you some stuff. Like you think Malone, you, you obviously like, uh, Tyler Williams and Mike Hall. Like there are guys that you like, it just depends on who from that group I think comes back that really changes this from a floor discussion to a ceiling discussion, because like if, you know, look at the defensive line and we'll like, if we say Tyreek Williams comes back, right? Like if Tyreek Williams comes back, I think you're feeling a lot better about the direction of this defensive line and like what they can achieve in 2024 compared to the defensive line without him or the defensive line where you lose in a couple different guys. I know you, you really like Kenyatta Jackson and I know there's a couple different guys that you can kind of point to with defensive end, but you're just replacing a lot there. And it's hard to say that that defensive line is going to be as good as this one if you're replacing that. But I do think you have to like the depth there. Um, especially with the incoming class. I mean, you got two five stars coming in with Edric Houston. Um, you know, he's going to play end. I know I mentioned it's hard for guys to play early, but you got him coming in. You got Justin Scott coming in. There's talent supplementing here and you're backfilling some talent. It's just a matter of like, is that going to be ready to be fully formed in 2024? I'm not sure, but I think you can, you can count on production from that group in, in, uh, in 2024. I think I'm optimistic about that group. Uh, obviously, Tyleek Williams has been, I don't even know if you'd call it a breath of fresh air because you'd see it flash at times. It just was never consistent. And now he's consistently dominating. Ty Hamilton has been a rock on the interior, especially at that nose. And then Mike Hall, when he flashes, he flashes and everybody in the building can see it. If you lose all three of those guys, I don't, I'm not going to say it's going to be oh, the exact same the following year. But I think there's good reason to have optimism that it can be because you're losing those three, but now you're asking four guys to be on their normal tra- trajectory here. Taiwan Malone was playing sure. to some extent out of Ole Miss, and maybe it took him a year to get on the field here, but that's a guy you're expecting to be a significant contributor for you in year four of, as being a college football player, especially when you spent your first two years in the SEC. Hero Canoe's been playing the most as much as he can play it's just 
they've really cut down on the defensive line rotation where they're not taking Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams and Ty Hamilton off the field. But he's playing just enough and flashing just enough that if in 2024 you need him to do more, instead of playing seven snaps a game, he's playing 25, I have some faith that he'll be able to do that. Caden McDonald forcing his way onto the field a little bit here is promising that he may be Tyleek Williams-ish because Tyleek Williams was not a top 100 recruit. When he showed up, Mike Hall was, but Tyler Williams was not. And he's been better than advertised as a recruit. I think Caden McDonald might be on a similar trajectory there. And then Jason Moore, I mean, he showed up in the summertime and he's stuck behind some guys who are dudes. And in year two, that's a guy who's a top 70 recruit that you're expecting to be able to play for you in year two. And it seems like he's on that trajectory. It seems like Caden McDonald's on a good trajectory. It seems like. Hero Canoe is on a good trajectory. It seems like Taiwan Malone will be ready to give you more. That's four guys on the interior. When this year they've only got three. They are an injury away. They are a <laughs> abduction of aliens away from being in some real peril there on the interior because your top three guys are awesome, but it's not a lot of depth. Haven't replacing what might be a super high ceiling right now with a crazy, crazy high floor potentially. And a chance to get to that ceiling again while also having one more guy. I I think I like where this is headed while also Justin Scott. Eric Mensa might be a long-term project there, but Justin Scott's a guy where even with everything you're saying, I'm not really expecting much from him in year one because Uh, he's not early enrolling. But I do wonder if once he does get through that full year, of I've been through a season, I've been through spring and winter workouts, I've been through the summer. I am wondering if 2025, not being necessarily a starter, but if that's a guy who should at least be in the rotation. So I'm I'm optimistic about defensive tackle while at edge. I mean, and maybe we can get onto this in a separate podcast, but Caden Curry's flashed a lot, and Kenyatta Jackson's flashed a lot, and I'm not 100% sure Jackson is going to be back or, or not, but I think I might lean stay overgo so those three got that's three right there and maybe a fourth guy pops up in there as well but those three guys on the outside while you've got four guys that you potentially are looking at as ready to play for you in years four three and two I think I don't see a reason why the defensive line can't be as productive as what this defensive line has been through so far. Because it's not like Ohio State's got 30-something sacks right now. They've been very good, but it it took them a couple of weeks to get there. I don't see why that can't happen next year. The productive line and that word, I think that I like that better. Because I think talent-wise, it's just going to be hard to do. Um, You know, I I look at JT Tumaloau and – I mean, do you think like do like let's say Jack and JT leave? Like, do you think Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson are as talented as JT and Jack? Dole? I, I mean, I haven't seen anything quite frankly that says that Jack and JT are well. JT, yes, for sure, right? Clearly, he's number one on that list. But I haven't seen anything from Jack Sawyer that makes me believe he's head and shoulders that much more talented than what Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry will be in year three when they have more opportunity. That's yeah. And that's a fair point. I just like, I look at a guy like JT and I'm like, I don't see, I don't see JT climbing up the depth chart. You know what I'm saying? So the, the yeah, talent, but, we didn't, but even yeah. then we didn't, we didn't, it took JT till the Penn state game last year to turn into this JT. So it's not like JT had a really awesome game against Penn state, but it's not like, 
his sophomore year was what Chase Young's sophomore year was. Sure. Right. Where it was, you know, oh, this dude's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft one day. So I, I and that, that sounds like I'm downplaying JT, and I'm not downplaying what JT is. I just think I've seen the flashes from Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson now that what might be holding them back isn't so much, so much talent. It's more just opportunity. And yeah, when no, they it, do get that opportunity, we might see more. And that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it is hard when you got guys that are like, you're not, you're, you're just kind of blocked, right? Like, if, if JT Tumaloa, you know, wasn't as good, I, I'm sure we'd be seeing more rotation here. It's, it's not, it's nothing against those guys. I just think that JT's ceiling is, is higher than, you know, maybe what you, what you're getting from those guys right now. I think with, with the production line is interesting, and I think that that's a good way to look at this. Because Ohio State's defensive line, we, we've talked about this, like the sacks for the unit were not exactly great. Like you're, you're not like we, we talked about it for weeks. Like how long did it take some of these guys to get their first sack? Like how long did it take some of these guys to really get after the passer? Like JT Tumaloa leads the team with four, but Jack Sawyer has one and a half and Mike Hall has one and a half and Tyler Williams has two. And then you get down to a bunch of guys with one and like Sonny Styles and Mitchell Melton are in that group, right? Like that, like it's, it's, it's just a lot of, it's a hodgepodge group of guys that, and there's no, there's nobody there that is going to get you 15 sacks. Like you're not, we're not talking to Chase Young. So I do think the production line is interesting because if, although you need to get after the quarterback, I think there are different measurements for impacting a play. You know, you got to win. You got to get after the quarterback yeah. hurries, pressures, I've got things some like of that. that. I think that. Yeah, yeah. So, let's hear. JT Tui Malo out in 240 pass rushing snaps this year. Passing snaps, excuse me. Two, uh, 227 pass rushing snaps, 29 pressures. Mike Hall, 23 pressures. Jack Sawyer, 17 pressures. Tyreek Williams, 13 pressures. Caden Curry has 10 pressures and 80 pass rushing snaps. So basically, once every eight snaps, he gets a pressure. And Kenyatta Jackson has eight and 74, which is basically the same thing. Once in every, you know, eight or nine snaps, he gets a pressure. I honestly do think with those two, it's an opportunity thing and not an ability thing. So while the name JT Tuimaloa is clearly the best of anybody in that group support, him and Tyreek Williams have clearly risen above everybody else with the way that they played this year. But, and that's going to be a loss for sure. If both of those guys decide to leave, but I don't think that the drop off is going to be quite going from 2019. You had chase young to 2020. You didn't. I, I think Kenyatta Jackson might be a sack guy. At least we thought that coming into the year, the way they talked about him, and for most of the offseason, it went from being a Jack and JT discussion to a Jack, JT, and Kenyatta discussion. While Caden Curry, every time he's on the field, he's flashing. So I am I'm talk I was already pretty optimistic about what next year's group could look like, even though you are losing some dudes. I'm even more convinced that at worst, this group can be as good as it is right now. With some of these guys who have already flashed and key moments. Kenyatta Jackson's sack came at a big point in that game, in the Penn State game. So at least bare minimum, the floor is what we're seeing this floor be. While this defensive line week by week has gotten better and gotten better and gotten better. I don't see a reason why next year's defensive line shouldn't be on that same trajectory. 
You might have convinced me. I still have reservations a little bit um, just because you're talking about new, like whenever you're talking about guys elevating roles, there is always, I think, some healthy. I think it is healthy to be skeptical in that regard. I think, you know, it's, oh it's OK to be skeptical. And so it's OK to have questions like, hey, how does, you know, like you, you mentioned Hero Canoe, like how does he look when you ask him to go from seven or eight snaps a game to 25 or 30? Like, like what happens then? What happens when Kenyatta Jackson has to be the best pass rusher on the team, right? Like, what mm-hmm. happens then? I, I think that that's a fair point. But the ceiling, I think, I you know, I, the, you certainly I, I was there with you on the floor. I think you might have me on the ceiling. I think you might have me with there's not a reason why. Th- th- I think there could be a drop-off, but I don't think it'll be. I, I never thought it would be noticeable. I didn't think it was going to be a cliff. Um, and it's, you know, I, I do think that, I, I think that you might've had me there. I think that, um, I, I look at this defensive line a little bit differently the way you phrase that. There's two, there's three positions on this roster where we've never had the question that recruiting since Ryan Day took over the program and that's quarterback. Obviously it's wide receiver, obviously. And it's been defensive line. Larry didn't maximize in 2023 when you missed out on guys like you know Keon Keeley and Damon Wilson and Mateo Uyangaleye but he's more than bounced back with two five stars in this class you know he's more than and he that 2021 class was awesome the 2022 class was a great way to build on that it's that 2023 class had some weird moments but for the most part he's brought in some quality guys every single year so you're pairing that on defense with what Tim Walton is doing in the cornerback room, while also Larry Johnson's reputation still to this point is it's more of a reload than a rebuild. And we don't know how much longer Larry Johnson is going to be around, but we do know that right now the room has been recruited at a level that you can have promise about what is next to come. The wide receiver room is going to lose Marvin Harrison Jr. after this season. That's, that's just a fact. That's going to happen. And no one is, he's probably going to be the best wide receiver that's come through that room. But it's not like we're sitting here with the wide receiver room and going, oh no, the wide receiver production is going to fall off a cliff. It's like, no, Carnell Tate and Brent Ennis are going to play. And Jeremiah Smith is going to play. There isn't a, as you mentioned, there isn't a Jeremiah Smith coming into the Ohio State defensive line room next year. Justin Scott might not be that type of player who's ready to go for you in year one. And Edric Houston, might not be that type of player who's ready to go for you in year one. But neither one of those guys I don't think has to because of the guys in front of him. The room has been recruited at such a point where I'm not expecting anybody to do anything at the level that JT Tuimolo outdid it. But his game is so versatile, especially as a run stopper. I'm not expecting anybody to beat JT Tuimolo out. But I do think that with Kenyatta and Caden Curry and third-year hero Canoe, potentially fourth-year Jack Sawyer, Taiwan Malone having more of a role, potentially Jason Moore and Kenyatta, and not, excuse me, not Kenyatta, but Caden McDonald on the interior and year two as guys who will be going through their first spring come January. And so they'll be more, you know, comfortable with what's going on. I like that group. <laughs> we've done this with some other positions where we've listed off names and gone, Oh, I don't know. Why? Which, we'll ones, see. which ones do you mean? I don't think we've <laughs> we'll talked see. about that on this podcast. But, but I think it's been both sides of the ball. I think we've said that about the offensive yep. line group. I've said, I think we've said it about the safety group. Yep. But with corner, 
with defensive line, even with linebacker, I'm a little more like, okay, you're going to miss the guys who are playing now because they're really good, but I'm a little intrigued by what the future holds. And I, that's a good thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's a good thing. It's Yes, it's it's always some level of skepticism where you're losing good football players. Yeah. That's duh. But this is college football. You're losing good football players every December. So can you look at what the guys are behind them and go, okay, I can see, I can see some upside there. Or are you going, oh, this might get a little ugly. And I think with this defensive line group, if I was a fan, I'd be intrigued and excited about what comes next. If Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall and JT Malo out and Jack Sawyer and Ty Hamilton do decide to all leave after the season. What do, what do uh, high school football coaches and college football coaches love to say uh, when somebody asks them a question about rebuilding? Uh, it's not rebuilding, it's reloading. That's true. Uh, I'm starting to – I, I that was, was a nice little elevator pitch by you. I, I think the ta- – yeah, the talent is certainly there with the defensive line. Um, and, I mean, you look at the production, and I don't think anybody is going to look at this defensive line and say that they've been bad this year. And I don't think anybody's going to look at, you know, JT, especially like the Penn State game and the moments where you've kind of needed some of these guys to make plays. You know, the Notre Dame game where JT stood out, the Penn State game where I thought they were pretty disruptive. Um, and you look at this defensive line and you there's not a 15 sack guy. So I actually I, I think that that's a good point, that if there's not a 12 sack guy, a 15 sack guy loot like going away, going to the NFL, then why not? And I actually, I think that that's a, I think that that's a smart way to look at it. I think that's the best way to look at it. Okay, good. I got you to come to my side. That was yeah, all I wanted to do to on this pod. Yep. Yeah. I wanted to learn about Justin Scott and I wanted to convince you that the defensive line room will still have a pretty good upside going next season. <laughs> Tune in for next Tuesday when I convince Andrew Gillis that Ohio State should throw the ball 65 times in the game. No, I'm joking. I'm not going to convince him to do that. I'll commit him to just do it 64 times. That's fine. But that'll wrap up this recruiting pod this Tuesday. As you're listening to this, Andrew, myself, and Nathan, we're back at the Woody talking with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles as they prepare for yet another road game. They're headed to Jersey to play Rutgers, who is bowl eligible. Six and two. Listen, Rutgers has had a pretty good year. So we'll be talk- talking with Ryan Day and Jim Knowles about that. Get the text 614-350-3315. All that information coming to your phone first before anywhere else. Two-week free trial, three ninety nine. after that. I promise you, it's a heck of a time over here. So for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means. And that was Buckeye Talk.